Mentioned on, I think there was the, ver- the one that came out Thursday, that 1984, and this were, were on the same or published the same year. I think that's right. And I, and I think this one was like late 30s, but I, I remember when I first went 1984. 32. Yeah, the reason he named it 1984 because it was the reverse of where he was at at that point, which is 1948. Okay. So it's 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 later than that. But it was Maybe actually he started writing it. Or it could be, it. yeah. But it was I guess it was supposed to be out. But it didn't actually get published till '49. When I looked it up, I was like, okay. I swore it was '48 because because it was the reverse of '84. Like that, that's how he saw. I mean, it, it, he was obviously doing a commentary on his situation now, right? Yeah, the oppressive, you know, government yeah. and stuff like that. But just post Hitler and yeah. Welcome to the Credo Covenant Fellowship, where we seek to enter the cultural conversation from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Billy Linhart, and I'm here as always with my co-host, J.D. Warren. Hello. And we're joined today by Jason Delgado. Howdy, y'all. Howdy, y'all. Been missing that howdy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really wish I could have made last bits of the Covenant Theology one, because, yeah, yeah, great discussions y'all had. Yeah, it's fun. Maybe we can uh, revisit the topic sometime in the future. Yeah. So I think a lot of these discussions, like some of the ones that we've had on the Baptist Confession, I think would be fun to revisit with more people. So I think maybe that would be something to think about for the future. But today, we're actually embarking on a new book, Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. I guess the first thing that I wanted to bring up in regard to this book is... The question I think naturally arises in Christian circles whenever we talk about books like Brave New World and and other books like it, which is why would you choose a book like this? Why would you why would you even talk about a pagan work like this? In a lot of Christian circles, you know, the only thing that you would want to read is something Christian or something like, you know, an exposition of the Bible or or some devotionals, things like that. Yeah. Self, you know, Christian self-help books or what have you. So I guess the, the natural question that comes up is why, why interact with books that are non-Christian and especially a book that deals with such, you know, heavy subject matter, such uh, scandalous subject matter as what comes up in Brave New World. So I want to throw that out to you guys. I have some thoughts, but I figure maybe you guys might have some thoughts as well. In regard to why why deal with a book like Brave New World on a podcast like ours, I got the the, the finger was pointing at you, me. So uh, you look like you're, you're ready to go. You, you kind of <laughs> lean forward. Like you... Yeah, no, I was just going to say Common Grace. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, we have natural revelation that, that God has given us, that, that we know that there's a creator. Um, we know that, of course, from special revelation that God has put his uh, image within all human beings. So even though we're fallen, there, there's still that... Um, that image, even though it's shattered and broken, there's still that image of God within us. So there's some elements uh, of the the human life uh, that even a pagan can write about and we can identify with. Mm-hmm. We may have different solutions. Of course, our uh, view of that would would be slightly different. But I, I think common grace is one of the the main reasons to to pursue uh, studying and reading different works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I, I I hadn't read a fiction in a long time, and it was refreshing to just read a story, read a, read a book that's telling a story. A lot of the books I read are for theological reasons, like you mm-hmm. said, and they're not, you know, expositions or systematic theologies or biblical theologies, things like that. So it was, it, it was just refreshing to my mind. It was interesting because I actually had the opportunity to interview Albert Martin yesterday or, or a couple of days ago doesn't matter but but he was talking about about reading books and how a pastor and he's like well any, really anyone should just just to keep their mind fresh read mm-hmm. other books like he was telling about this book he's like he's like i read this book about building bridges he's like and i thought it was gonna be so boring but it was fascinating mm-hmm. and it rejuvenated mm-hmm. my mind so when i came back to my studies yeah. i was more ready to go than if i would have just kept plowing through this theological work because your i mean your brain's a muscle it can get tired yeah so it's, it, it, this is a nice way to mm-hmm. um even though when we Come to these books. We're still engaging with them. You know, we're still looking at it from our Christian perspective. Yeah. But um, he, he reminded me of that, and yeah, I found that to be true. And he kind of encouraged me to be like, okay, I need to step out of my normal one genre book. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. you, you don't want to be like the guy in the gym who forgot it was a leg day and he's doing right. arms every day. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And he just he just looks weird. Yeah. And I, I've heard guys like. Um, Al Mohler talk about the same thing, like his reading plan, like he just reads different genres of books all the time in constant rotation. And, and who can argue with his, with his mind, you know, he has a great, a great Christian mind, but you know, very great thinker because of that. So, and, and we can very easily become cloistered, you know, and just kind of circle the wagon and only yeah. talk about the things that pertain to our own group. Yeah. Right. And, and, and completely cut ourselves off from culture and, and be of absolutely no relevance to them. And whenever I use the term relevance, obviously there's, you know, there needs to be some kind of qualification there. Uh, what I mean by relevance is when, when we read books like Brave New World and, and other books that are written by, you know, pagans and by the world, they ask certain questions that need to be answered by us Christians. You know, th- these books bring up certain natural questions that are inherent in society. They're inherent in man because of the fall. And our our worldview has answers for those questions. And so it behooves us to know what those questions are that people are asking about the world in general. Yeah, Mindy and I were talking last night. Um, we finally got a date night. Man. Just the two of us. That's awesome. <laughs> it was nice. We were just able to relax and talk and stuff. And um, the Rosaria Champagne Butterfield, um, Secrets of an Unlocking Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert, convert. Yeah. Uh, came mm-hmm. up, and uh, mm-hmm. I've read most of it, probably about two-thirds of it, and um, she Mindy asked me what, what I thought of the book, and I thought it was, was helpful, but what I was looking for is what was happening in her mind when she was going through that conversion. She mm-hmm. seemed to kind of just, she didn't rush through it, but I was wanting a little bit more. I was hoping for a little bit more 
from her. She tended to talk more about the circumstances that were around her rather than what was happening in her Mm -hmm. mind. Uh, That was present, but I wanted to hear more. There's a couple of, because um, she's going around speaking at colleges, and you know about this very topic, and yeah. it, usually in a hostile situation. But she gets a lot of credence because she was a former Ivy League professor, right, and all yeah. that stuff, and yeah, a, a former lesbian, a very pro lesbian. Yeah. And she, in a lot of the Q and As, those kind of questions come up. So I would, you know, like read the book and then check yeah. out some of her Q and As that she does because because okay. she gets more in depth on that. So. Right. Yeah, which is helpful as well, you know, because, yeah. yeah, that's what we want. That's part of compassion is kind of going into their mind. How, how are they thinking about this? Why do they think this is right? Like, yeah. like okay, we can argue with them and believe, like, well, you're wrong, but mm-hmm. it's, it's more helpful. It's like, well, okay, why, how are they thinking about this? Why do they think this is the best way to live their life? And then yeah. and how do we interact with that? Yeah. And she was converted under Tim Keller's ministry, right? No. No? A, a, it, it was a Presbyterian guy, but he was just... He was uh, he lived in the same city or something, or, or it, it yeah. started off. She, he, he wrote a column, or no, no, she wrote a column. She was trying. She was writing something on promise keepers mm-hmm. and the evangelical culture. Yeah, evangelical of, yeah. culture, and like he wrote back. This pastor wrote back mm-hmm. asking her questions. He was the oh, only one to do that. Okay, and she threw it away. And several weeks later, she came back to it and called him up and. He invited her and I think her girlfriend into his home and just had dinner and they just got to know one another. Okay, and, I think and, I might and, be thinking of somebody else, or maybe she, maybe she's a member of Tim Keller's church now or something. No, she's, no? she's okay. definitely. Um, then I am thinking of something, something or else. something like that. Maybe not Eric now, but no, yeah, um, some kind of Presbyterian, yeah, or some she good, be OBC, like a good Orthodox. I yeah. can't remember or PCA something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, yeah, we definitely need to be open to those things. I know I, I have a coworker right now that. Uh, her and she's looking for a church, you know, thinking she's wanting to get into church and she's not a Christian and she, she lives with her boyfriend and everything. And, and, you know, the thought comes to your mind whenever you invite a person that's in the world, when you, when you think about that, you think, you know, okay, if I was to invite this person to my church, how would she be received at my church? And, you know, you want to, hopefully, you know, whenever you think about that, you think, you know, well, obviously my church is the church, so she should be very well received. But you never know. I mean, uh, people might ask you, why, why did you bring her here or whatever, you know. But then again, you know, you, you have to have faith in the church that they're, that they, you know, that they will be the church, you know, and that they have the Holy Spirit and that they're, they're willing to deal with circumstances like that. I know that yeah. um, the, the Bible doesn't say, when Paul talks about this in First Corinthians, yeah. He talks about how, you know, we're not to shun the world. We're not to dis- disconnect ourselves from the world because if we do, then we would have to go outside of the world. Right. Rather, you know, it's it's that, that so-called brother who calls himself a Christian mm-hmm. yeah. but is living scandalously. Yeah. It's that guy that we want to have nothing to do with. Yeah. You know, so if we, and especially in the Bible Belt, you know, there's a lot of people that, that grew up calling themselves Christians as they grow up in quote-unquote Christian homes. Um, but but they just really need to be educated on what it really means to be a Christian. And so I would say even those people, should we should invite into the church and show them what it truly means to be the church and truly means to be Christian and and put up with some of those foibles in the, in the meantime, you know, and, and, and give them grace and be patient with them. We need to we need to be uh, patient with them and long suffering and, and and recognize the fact that you know yes they're calling themselves a Christian 
and but you know based on ev- on on external evidences we don't really see that they're a christian so we may not want to affirm that they're a christian but we need to be loving towards them and be patient with them while they uh, observe us and and partake of the ordinary means of grace and, and wait yeah. and see what the Lord does in their life. Yeah, and that's harder and, and uncomfortable, but yeah, yeah, it's easy to it's easy to just yeah yeah let me just read my theological books and just be with my guys that I you know I know we'll we'll just talk about you know theology and, and not ever deal with the world you know that, that, but yeah we're in this world still so <laughs> this is a really good rabbit trail sorry <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I liked it um, so okay getting back to Brave New World. Um, th- yeah, right. This is this is a dystopia slash science fiction genre. Ooh, yes, I love it. Right? My favorite. You know, and so okay, I wanted to bring up because I I am historically very much not a science fiction guy. It's only recently that you know with Fringe and things like that that I've really started to appreciate yeah. the genre of, of science fiction. My wife's real into the Twilight Zone. You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. So, but I'm a Hitchcock guy, so I'm more like suspense, that kind of thing. So, anyways, uh, when it comes to science fiction, when it comes to dystopias, what what are you know what what are y'all's what y'all's background in regard to those kinds of things? Mine's very shallow, you know. Yeah. Just I've read Brave New World a couple of times, yeah. and I wa- I've watched all of Fringe, and that's about it. Whenever it comes to <laughs> science fiction for me, but what yeah. about you guys? Yeah, mine's mine's very similar. I haven't read a whole oh, lot of really? science fiction. Oh man, only only thing I've read and watched <laughs> is Star Wars stuff. Aspect to that with yeah. the force and everything being connected. The balance of all things. Balance, kind of more yeah. Eastern yeah. style. Yeah. Good and evil both coexist yeah. and are necessary for the force to exist. Right. Um, that's that's really about it. Uh, I've read parts of Catching Fire. Um, just not a whole lot of science fiction or dystopia. Um, I I do enjoy. I haven't read much of the comics, but I do enjoy the whole Marvel universe. Mm. It's really weird because I I love Batman. He's like my favorite yeah. superhero, if you will. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy the Marvel stories so much better. Yeah, it's um, funny. I think DC has probably the two best characters in comics, but Marvel has the best universe all around. Yeah, yeah. so it's kind of like 
And the storylines are so interwoven that it's it's fun to watch all the Avengers and Captain Americas and how they relate and yeah, yeah that universe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For me, I I've always loved sci-fi, and I'm probably the biggest nerd out of out of all you here. Now you know, hearing your backgrounds, like yeah, you know, Star Wars. I grew up loving Star Wars so much that I hated Star Trek because I had this yeah. I had wow. this wrong dualistic view of like it's either one or the other like it's like me and my friends we say it is one or the other <laughs> oh you're so there wow. <laughs> good, good thing Junior's not I don't get it yeah. Junior was the Trekkie okay. it wasn't until I moved in with him he started. He was always playing Deep Space Nine and that. Yeah. I started seeing it and I started enjoying it yeah. and realized like oh this is a very different type of sci-fi yeah. this is yeah. a futuristic Star Wars is in the past and it's oh. um, but, but one thing one thing that I, I've always loved about them is they, they challenge your, your ethics like I said, you especially saw that with the fridge, you know. Yeah. They're dealing with medical stuff and, and scientific stuff. But then they're like, okay, wait, at what point are we playing God? At what point mm-hmm. are we going beyond our human bounds? Okay, some of this is like, it's good, common, great stuff. Yeah. But at what point are we now, well, and that's what we see in, in the first, I mean, the, from the very drop of the hat. You know, Huxley throws you into that yeah. where where they take that to its ultimate, like, they're just thinking about science and progress and they're not even thinking about ethics anymore at all, yeah. really. Yeah, he doesn't waste any time. He doesn't waste any time. He throws yeah. you in there and you're just like, whoa. I mean, you, I mean <laughs> the it's, ethics are already set in the book. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it's a, yeah. somebody's put in the middle of it right. and then you have to think about it. And that's one, thing I, that's one thing I love about, see, I, I think it was a lot of, a lot of you know, being in punk rock bands, kind of being anti-authoritarian, mm-hmm. that I like dystopias a lot because it would show the dark side of authoritarian type governments or authority, like or guess what authority's power unwielded can, what it can become, you know, if it's unharnessed, I guess, or un, uh, there's no guards or safeties. And so I, I love to see that, and, and I, I love that they were dark and and kind of morbid and uh, hopeless. Uh, I don't know why. Have you read any other dystopias other than Nineteen Eighty Four was the first one that jumped me in there, and I just at that point I started reading more and more. That's that's when I got Brave New World next, um, The Giver, which some people might argue that I mean The Giver you don't really well. They're, they're, that's coming out as a movie now. It is coming out as a movie, and if you see the trailers. I, I didn't think it was the the same book that I had read because the, the trailers make it look all sci-fi. And in the book itself, it's very it's rural, isn't it? It's very rural, and, and and you you don't even know that there's. I mean, the stuff the trailer showed, you don't see that in the book till you're in the last couple pages. Wow. And so and so like and so like it, it already doesn't look good to me. I mean, I'll, I'll probably still watch it eventually, but um, stories like that, you know. Yeah, the the giver the book that was is fascinating. It's really good. And, uh, yeah, what, what do you think about um, some of the more modern dystopias? Like you know, 
Uh, you've already brought up Cash the Hunger Fire, Games, Hunger Games. Games. Yeah. yeah, the Hunger Games, and then also Divergent. Uh, Divergent. I yes. just recently watched that. I love one. them. I love them. I love yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't read the books. I've seen the movies. Uh-huh. And one of my wife's current favorite movies, and she doesn't like sci-fi's or dystopias, but she loved Divergent. I thought Divergent was good. Yeah. I thought it was better than the Hunger Games, as far as just kind of the the world that they envisioned. Mm-hmm. I thought it was. It was more uh, more gr- gripping, and I liked the main character better. I, yeah. uh, for some reason, the actress that plays the main character in, in The Hunger Games d- just doesn't grab me at all. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sympathetic toward her because of the way that she portrays her character, I think. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's intentional. Yeah. Like, they're, she, they're trying to portray her that way. Yeah. I don't know. But um, I, I love them, and I think Divergent... When, when we saw Divergent, and, uh-huh. and they give you the first five minutes, you know, they're introducing the world, I was like, that's Brave New World right there. You know, the cast system, they're all wearing different yeah. clothes. I mean, it wasn't the exact same type stuff. Yeah. Like, the people weren't as brainwashed and things like that. You know, there was some element to that, but they yeah. weren't... Is it hypno-sleep, sleepify, yeah. and all that stuff? And they weren't genetically altered to be right. the way that they are. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah and, and, and there was still some choice involved. I mean, that, that brought up its yeah. own ethical issues, like, oh, do I abandon my family and everything I've known for to become... To Did you notice the political overtones in it, though? Where, you know, you have, like, the kind of hippie left that are yes, in control dude. of the government, and then you have the, you have the ultra-authoritarian right that's right. trying to take over the government. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I didn't know some of that. <laughs> Culturally captive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I, so love I haven't those. seen I, I love it, those, and, and, and I, so far they've all been good. Okay. So. Well, we'll have to get Divergent then. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It's, 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 it's pretty, it's, it's decent, you know, but for me, like, none of them really, I haven't read the books, though. You know, the books could be a lot I've more detailed books, yeah. and way better, but, but, you know, none of them really compare to Brave New World for me. Brave New World is, like, penultimate when it comes to dystopias. Well, yeah, he, 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 the standard. he goes, he goes a lot deeper, like, he goes, I, I guess he's not afraid to be more hardcore, like, I'm taking you to the end of some of these, you know, ways we're going, our society's going, I'm taking you to, like, the point where it's already past that they've already made those decisions it's not oh we, we still got a lot of element of freedom we can decide for ourselves it's like no we're way past that mm-hmm. so yeah which is which is what makes it darker and more uh, gets your mind going yeah you know, about those things they're now in the year of our Ford instead of the year right of our oh yeah we're just different like, time wow. completely oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah crazy okay so uh, Jason you said that you read it before you were a Christian and now you're reading it after you know conversion so how is it affecting you differently now than, than it did then. Yeah, when I first read it, I was reading it for more. I mean, I'm still reading for entertainment value. I'm, I'm just, I find myself thinking through it more, and I'm more shocked by it now. Like mm. when I read it then, I was like, oh wow, this world is dark. This, this is cool. Like it was more of a, it was I had more cool factor and more like, man, there's some crazy stuff going on here. Like, and just I love the writing. The writing's captivating itself. Like when he's telling you the stories when uh, they're at the savage place and they're doing the drums I mean he paints those pictures and mm-hmm. it reminded me of like Tolkien's writing when, when the ants are stomping on the ground yeah. like, when I saw that in the movie I was like that is so much weaker than what my imagination thought of like you yeah. know a decade ago because when, 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 when I'm reading it it was just like it was thunderous like it yeah. felt like the room was shaking you know mm-hmm. and that's how Huxley writes um, and, and I'm still getting that when I'm reading it again but now now I'm 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 more like wow th- this this society, I didn't realize how blasphemous it was. I didn't realize how oh, yeah. anti everything I know to be true and lovely and pure and good and right is. I didn't realize how anti it was. It. I just I was more reading it back then, just more looking for just the authoritarian aspect of it. But now I'm seeing like, you no, know, they've removed God out of every aspect of 
of thinking, of life, of culture, of family. You know, yeah. they removed all those. They replaced things. him, or replaced him. Yeah, with R. Ford, with Ford, the great, yeah. the great, uh, or R. Freud. Or Freud, yeah, yeah. For some reason, he would call himself Freud when he's talking about uh, psychological issues. Yeah, yeah. Mind. Yeah, it's just a fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So reading it now, I'm, I'm, I find myself more like gasping, like, wow, I can't, I can't believe that he went there with this. Like, yeah. wow, like I, I, I enjoy it so much more now. I'm also more not offended, like, oh, I'm gonna put this book down, but more like, wow, that's. Yeah, this is very anti-God. Like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And JD, uh, have you have you read this before, or is this yeah. your first time through? Yeah, this is my. See, I think I read it in high school a while back, but wasn't really paying that much attention to it. Like, I was just like, it was a book assignment or something. Yeah, I was just reading it, mm-hmm. um, and, and then I've read other things since, and didn't really realize the impact until. Mm-hmm. Um, Whole digital media rethinking how we interact with digital media yeah. and technology. Um, books were coming out, people were talking about it. And I was like, okay, I need to go back and read it, and started reading it. And I was like, whoa, there's a lot of elements that that apply to us today. Yeah. And then, of course, this is just my my third time reading mm-hmm. it. So wow. even now, the, the my third time reading it, I'm seeing more and more mm-hmm. uh, elements coming out. Mostly because I'm having to think about it and ask questions uh, for others. Uh, I think things would just happen in my mind quicker, but if I'm having to ask others questions, then I'm stopping. Have to be more of a critical reader. Yeah, 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 definitely. How about you, Billy? Well, uh, I read it in college, and this was just maybe two years ago. It was my senior year year in college. I was reading it, and, uh, you know, we we had to read. We read it... at the end of our college, and you know, we, we had already read through you know um, Nietzsche and and all these other different guys that are already kind of like setting the stage for a lot of the things that you read in here. So you know, you come into it with a lot of background whenever you do it in college. However, we're reading through it at lightning speed because you have to have you know 70, 80 pages read before each class because you're going to be sitting down and discussing it. So. You know, a lot of skimming, you know, getting the main points, that kind of thing. And so, um, and, and really just trying to grab what you can for the discussion that you're going to have in class, but, but really just trying to just blow through it. So this time I've actually had more of a chance to interact with it from a personal standpoint. But the main difference for me is the state of society. I mean, it's only been two years since I read it last but society has already changed so much in the past two years. Like lightning speed, yeah. our society is changing and moving toward um, a dystopia. And so things that I thought maybe two years ago, oh, wow, we're headed in this direction. I'm looking at society, I'm thinking we're heading in a different direction, but it's a much more dismal direction than even Brave New World would, would predict. Yeah. Yeah. There are some areas where I would say you know, Huxley has it right. But then there's other areas where I'm like, man, I kind of wish that it would, was more like what Huxley envisions yeah, because yeah. it's even worse. It's going it's worse. Than a, you know, like you know Utah with polygamous marriage right now, yeah. and then you have all over the country you have you know gay marriage being uh, overturned. You know, the people vote on it, and then you have and, and the people vote on it and they they ban gay marriage. They they say no, we only believe in marriage between one man and one woman. And then you have these activist judges that overturn the people, <laughs> right? And so like. You, you hear about all these states that are that are legalizing gay marriage, 
but really they're not. It's not the states that are doing it. It's these activist judges that are doing it. And so everybody thinks that we're becoming more liberal, we're becoming more accepting, uh, accepting of, of gay marriage, but really that's not what's happening. It's just these judges are, are overturning it. You know, every, every time the people have voted on it, they voted against it. So it, it's, those it's, who do vote, yeah, those <laughs> the who ones do who vote. do vote. Uh, that's an, uh, another element left out. But those who aren't voting, uh-huh. they don't care. Yeah, they just whatever. Let let us do whatever we want. Leave me alone. Yeah. They're also the ones that don't vote. But but what they do have in vision, which is correct, and we're going to talk about a lot of this, is you know the 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 access to drugs. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, and and you know I this is this affects my own family where I see you know as people get older. The, the the susceptibility for them to be addicted to pain medicines and and the, the access that they have to it by going to different doctors and things like that. I mean, even Rush Limbaugh suffered with that, and you know he was going to different doctors and, and yeah. taking medi- and and whenever you take these different kinds of medications and it's uncontrolled and the doctors don't know what medication you got from other doctors, yeah. then it gets you get cross medicated and it, it affects you in ways that it shouldn't and that, that you're unaware of. Yeah. And next thing you know, these you know. Older people in our society are unable to, to even drive. You're having to take their keys away from them and, and things like that. So there's that, and then there's also just you know the 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 uh, the breakdown of marriage. You know, people are you know starting to cohabitate a lot more as opposed to actually getting married. Yeah. And people are starting to to put off marriage till later and later and later in life. There, there's just so many areas where you know you can see that it's starting to go the direction that Huxley predicts. But it's not a dystopia. It's just a dis. I don't know. It's like, it's, there's, there's no topia in it. You know, there's no, like not even a, not even like a a utopian kind of uh, goal in mind. It's just let's destroy society. Yeah. So it's more of a Joker, Batman Joker type thing. Yeah. Just oh, you break just, it all down. Yeah. And watch it burn. Right. Yeah. I just did what I do. I took your little plan and I turned it on itself. Look what I did to this city with a few drums of gas and a couple of bullets. Hmm? You, you know what I noticed? Nobody panics when things go according to plan. Even if the plan is horrifying. If tomorrow I tell the press that like a gangbanger will get shot, or a truckload of soldiers will be blowing up, nobody panics. Because it's all part of the plan. But when I say that one little old mare will die, well, then everyone loses their minds. Introduce a little anarchy. Upset the established order, and everything becomes chaos. I'm an agent of chaos. Oh, and you know the thing about chaos? It's beer. Yeah. So, okay, in regard to, and we'll, we'll close with this, in regard to the subject matter of the book, what warnings would you guys have for our, our listeners before recommending this book? Especially knowing the types of listeners that we have as Creo Covenant Fellowship. You know, because, you know, we can't just assume that... that Everybody would be down with with reading a book like this. Some people would be probably highly offended, yeah. like, "Oh, you know, the, this was recommended by Creole Covenant Fellowship, 
And then they start reading and they're, and they're just like, I can't read this, you know, and they throw it down. Yeah, like I was telling you before, my, my wife and I were, were talking about it and she said she got to a certain point uh, in the book and it was early in the book and she just had to put the book down because she herself didn't want to fill her mind mm-hmm. with that. So she made that choice for her own, uh, her own mind to, to set the book aside and it's sexual in nature um, there's a couple of scenes that, you know, it's basically an orgy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, pornography is easily accessed. Um, a lot of sexual immorality, mm-hmm. I think, is the the main thing. Um, but there's no, it's it's not erotic. Like, there, he's no, not promoting yeah. eroticism. He's not being por- pornographic. There's no descriptive almost, elements to it. Yeah, and there's no details. Yeah. He doesn't go into great detail about, like, body parts and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of like you know Hitchcock would say you know the the best violence is the violence that you put in the in the audience's mind, not what you put on screen, yeah. because the audience can can imagine way worse than what you can portray yeah. for them. Yeah. So you know by him leaving out those details, you know if you have a vivid imagination, you can imagine really bad things. Yeah. So you want to be really guarded in regard to that. If if that's yeah. something that that you really struggle with, then you probably. You might want to be cautious about picking up the book. Maybe get a, an abridged version or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, 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 the society is encouraged to be very promiscuous and everyone belongs to everyone else. And they're talking about that in, a, in, in many different aspects, but especially in like getting having partners every day of the week with different people. Yeah. Just try mm-hmm. to run out and have fun. You know, it's, that's, yeah, so it's, there's, a, there's an ought to it. There's one spot in the book where one girl is telling another it's okay to have two or three men. In fact, you ought to be more promiscuous. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. it's right because to be everyone believes it, everyone yeah. belongs to everyone else. Yeah. It's one of the things they learn. So, like, yeah. so that's yeah. part of it. Is giving your your own body to everyone yeah. else, just like yeah. that. It's just it's the norm. Yeah. Now, you know? and, and it's important to recognize that Huxley is not promoting this. He's it's almost like he's reporting on it. He's yeah. saying yeah. this is the direction that we're headed. Yeah. And so, you know, we want to we want to make it very clear that we're not promoting it either. Right. We're not promoting that as a lifestyle or anything like that. We, you know, we're we're just we think that in reading this book and in looking at these things that it helps us, like we said earlier, to to recognize the questions that are being asked, the questions that should be asked, and even you know the fact that as we approach a world that looks a lot more like Brave New World than it did. In Huxley's time, people are asking these questions less and less. Yeah, yeah. So for us to, to know the, the right questions to ask, especially as we approach this, could help us better be salt and light in the world as Christians. Yeah. yeah. Well, with that said, you've been listening to Creo Covenant Fellowship, where we seek to enter the cultural conversation from a Reformed Baptist perspective. You can find us on Facebook, and you can find us on Twitter, and also we have our, our own website, creocovenant.com. You can email us at creocove at gmail.com, and come find our page on iTunes at the iTunes store and leave us a five-star review, and that would help people to find our podcast a little easier on iTunes, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Peace.